Hi, this is Gary York, founder of GGG, Give God Glory. For the past eight years, my wife Gail and I have been hosting a tent revival meeting in Waterman, Illinois, where the body of believers can come and encounter the presence of God and are encouraged to go out and minister to the world around them. We hope you enjoy this message from our recent gathering this past summer. For more information on GGG or to connect with us, please visit our website at gggministry.com. Now sit back and enjoy this short message. In Africa, we have a protocol. If you approach a dignitary, king, president, person of stature, you come with a gift. Cannot go without a gift. In fact, that's part of the biblical protocol to come before the Lord with a gift. Some people bring gifts. Other people are the gifts. That's not a cliche. That's not flattery. That's not words. It's a spiritual reality and a truth. That what they carry on the inside. When you connect. You connect with something that adds value. It is a force of propulsion. That catapults you. Into destiny. That's why relationships are so important and key. And gateways. God used that all the time. Read the story of Ruth. The family she married into was the gateway, the doorway into a destiny. And when Naomi was bitter and old and lost vision, Ruth in turn returned the favor and became the gateway to Naomi's destiny so that she didn't end up her life in bitterness. And so... Be careful how you, you may be seated. Be careful how you are connected. You don't determine that on a horizontal plane. Do you mind if I just speak a little bit before we just go into? We don't. We don't. We don't determine connections, relationships, by what you see with sensory knowledge. Oh, that's a great connection. That's a great ministry. That's. Uh, I need. I need to get closer. I need to position myself. You don't do that. You can't take what has not been given to you. Listen to me. Everything from God and from from God and of God doesn't originate in this realm. If you seek to live for God, if you seek to live for God's purpose and your source is on the horizontal plane, I respectfully submit to you, you are living the Christian life incorrectly. Nothing from God originates in this realm. It always flows from heaven to earth. That is why Jesus taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In fact, prayer is not praying from earth to heaven. Prayer is praying from heaven to earth. Jesus came to demonstrate that. It's a lifestyle. 
It's a mindset change. It is what Paul writes. He says it's the mystery that was hidden in God for ages. But it's now been revealed. I kind of left the runway. I should probably just pull back and circle a little bit. So let me do that. I'm just going to have a quick crash landing. Okay, I'm on the runway again. I want to acknowledge all of the amazing worship team. And Rachel, you are an amazing gift. Oh my gosh. This crybaby guy operates by impartation, you know. She carries so much. So much. The tears and the pain that only you know about. God has converted into an alabaster jar of costly ointment. And when you sit at the feet of Jesus and you release your song and your response to the revelation of Jesus that comes out of you looking into his face and him having your heart and having been the preserver and the keeper of your heart. That only you know, only you know the cost that is in that alabaster jar. But when you release that song and that sound, It will perfume the room. It will release an aroma of his presence that in no way could be synthetically generated other than the crushing and the pressing of the olive. And you were willing to yield You were willing to surrender. In your days of greatest darkness, you said, God, I look to you. And the song that you once thought died, and that you'll never sing your song again. He said, I have awakened a sound. And I have awakened a a song. And I have positioned you in a place where others have said no. I have said yes. And you're willing to step back out of the limelight. You're willing to step back out of the the shining lights into the shadow. To be with him. And out of the pain. And out of that place of beholding him. He's bringing you out into a new day. A new season. And both of you are standing on the cusp of a, of a destiny and a purpose. Where God says, I have set before you an open door. That no man can shut. I have done that. I am the engineer and the author and the finisher of your faith. And I am taking you by the hand as the way, the truth, and the life. And I am leading you as you behold my eyes. 
I will not even guide you with my word. I will guide you with my eyes. As you look upon my gaze, there will be a knowing in your heart of what I say, of what I mean. You are the apple of my eye. You are my treasure in the earth. I'm bringing you out and I'm presenting you as a royal diadem. As a masterpiece crafted. Created in me and by me. For a time such as this. This is your hour, Queen Esther. This is the time that I'm presenting you. The Lord would say. I like pulled pork. <laughs> the best pulled pork is right here. And uh, I have a tradition since I've started GGG here a couple of years ago that I put myself in harm's way to taste if the pulled pork is okay before you guys get to eat from it. I mean, that's just how I am. I'm very sacrificial, you know. But the best food, the best fellowship, amazing hospitality. I remember the first day I walked into the York's home. Never forget that. It's when I looked into the eyes of all of these guys. I looked in the eyes of Colton and, and Tiffany. And the Lord showed me they're getting married right there. Boom. There's so many things I can sh- talk about. I looked into this woman's eyes and she presented me with coffee. And the anointing fell on me. Serious. I've never had came into contact with someone in so seemingly a mundane a task. And it's not because the Bible says, be careful to be hospitable to everybody because some people unknowingly have entertained angels and when I received that cup of coffee something I became aware of that she's laboring under an anointing that is so powerful it was as if she laid hands on me it was as if she gave me a prophetic word and the bible says do you see someone that excels in their work they will not stand before obscure men they will stand before kings i love you Uncle Bob, I came, by the way, I came to this place in 1999. Of all the places in the U.S., I landed up in Waterman. (laughs) I drove in Waterman, 1,200 people. I said, "Um, do we have this address right? 
1999. After just randomly, the Lord says, I want you to go to the USA and build covenant relationship with the American church. October 1999. Got into a plane not knowing where I'm coming to. The gateway into the U.S. was Florida. A Rick joined a conference. The rest is history. But that is where I met Uncle Bob and Julie and the face. Beautiful people. Why am I throwing the net out wide and I, 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 I stopped preaching from seven keys and three, five points and stuff like that. So please, if you're taking notes, you may just ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you. Like, where are we right now in this message? Because I'm just going to do a stir fry. That is okay. Those who don't know what a stir fry is, like, you just throw everything in there that's in the kitchen, that's in the fridge, you know, leftovers, whatever. You just like... Fry it and stir it. I want to acknowledge these amazing speakers. These are men were been birthed in the fire. You can go to a cemetery, oh, I mean a seminary, to hold a, a microphone. Or you can be crafted in the fire. The writer of Hebrews says, no man takes this honor upon himself. Being a fivefold minister is not a position. No man can no man can desire to be an apostle or prophet or pastor or teacher, evangelist. You must be called of God. There are many people who look at that as a vocation, or perhaps that's a, it's a that's a great option alternative to becoming a businessman. Perhaps I must yeah, I think these guys make a lot of money and they have influence and whatever the motivation. Let me get set the record straight. You must be called of God. Remember, nothing of God. Nothing. Zero. Has its origin on this plane. It can be the best idea. It can be a multi-billion dollar idea. If its origin is on this place, plane and doesn't erase from there, you're laboring in vain because unless the Lord builds the house. So when I look into the faces of them, I, I honor them. I love them. Don't know them that well, but I love them. I've been with them a, a, a few times. Met William in South Africa. We had a connection, but I knew there was a higher purpose. 
And that was the purpose. How to be strategic about it. It's important to know where you step into and what you don't touch. So I love them, honor them. So these are the speakers for this weekend. And then for those who don't know, the keynote speaker for GGG, this keynote speaker, sorry, is Gary and Gail York. So please put your hands together. I'm not sure if they're going to minister tonight or to tomorrow, but, but um, it's really an honor to, to share the stage with them. just want to throw this in here. You guys must just know how amazing it is for us to actually be here with social distancing, with churches being shut down by government decrees, which is illegal and demonic and all of those stuff. Don't, don't take for granted that we can be sitting next to each other and rub your shoulder. Perhaps in the past it was a little irritating like this fly as rubbing shoulders with me. Um, don't take for granted some things you only realize the value of once it's taken away. Let this be as if it's the last meeting we will ever, ever have. Let your day on earth be lived as if this is the last opportunity you will. If you knew that at 12 o'clock tonight you were going to die, how would you have started this day? So let's not be casual. Jesus didn't go to the cross that way. When he paid a price that he so eloquently expounded to purchase you. He's God. He can do it any way. He could have just said, you're saved. Jesus had to make a choice. Father, I do not want to take this cup. I don't. I really don't. But I have listened and I have learned that I only do that which I see and hear my Father does. This decision doesn't have its origin here. I live from heaven to earth, not from earth to heaven. It's not if it's convenient. It's not whether I like it. It's not, this decision is not based on whether it's going to be effort or no effort, financially profitable or not. It's based on your will. So not my will, but yours be done. Let me go a little bit to this side. Hey. Good to see you, Chance. The thing, great thing about Chance is you always have a chance with him. It's like the, the prophetic embodiment of another chance, you know. So I'm just talking a little bit. Good to see the storehouse guys here. Christina and just 
When I began to live what I'm teaching, it revolutionized my life because I was born on a stage. I was born into my parents are pastors. I'll tell you the story a little later. But I could do church. You can wake me up at 2 a.m. in the uh, 2 2 a.m. And put me behind the piano or put a microphone in my hand. And I can do church. Unbeknownst that the reality of revelation is I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. You guys are inside having a great time. Singing about me, talking about me, but I'm outside. That was not a scripture to, to the world. It was the last revelation of John the Revelator received by Jesus himself. You guys are singing about me. You're talking about me. But you didn't realize, you're not realizing that my presence left. I am on the outside. And I'm asking, do you guys mind if I come into my church? So the Yorks felt that the theme for GGG is, are you known? So I wrote down a few thoughts to help me not stray off the path. Because if I do stir fry, you guys might be here till six tonight. So that's going to help me just to, to remain focused. And perhaps I will just deviate and freestyle again a little bit. But I want to talk to you. I spoke to Gary this morning and I said to him, the first time I met him, he told me as we're walking to the barn, he's saying, you know, Solomon, I, I, I gave God my yes. He said, I turned my life over to him. It's so good to see you, Ginger. Ah, I didn't recognize you. Oh my gosh. Good to see you. I gave God my yes. All that I am. Everything that I have. There came a moment that I said, Jesus, all that I am, all that I have I don't give to you I recognize it belongs to you life on earth is not stewardship you own zero I mean it's not ownership it's stewardship it's a gift especially if you are a Christian because you're as dead as a doornail without Jesus. No standing, no, no standing before God outside of Jesus. Zero. So life is a gift.
And when he shared that, it made a deep impression upon my heart because now what he has said, and one day I, I was in a, in a prayer meeting and our team, ministry team were praying and I felt I had to step outside of the circle. And as I stood outside, just following the, the, the prompting, and I looked upon what was happening, and they were praying for the nations, and they were praying for individuals, and they were praying in the Spirit, and they were doing all kinds of things. And I, I stood there, I was just beholding this. An angel appeared. Tall. I only saw angels twice in my life. That was the second time. And he did this. I felt he said, I'm at your service. Hebrews chapter 1. Are angels not ministering spirits sent to serve, serve the heirs, you, of salvation? And that was the gesture that I saw in the spirit when he said, my yes. When they as a family, and you see the results sitting all over. He is a product of, he's a second generation Christian. His mother birthed him in the spirit. When he was wayward, hair this long, hippie, tattoos, bike, cool, running away from God. She said, I didn't birth you so that you can serve the devil. She said, okay, I'm not going to have this conversation horizontally. I'm going to take you out in the spirit. And I'm going to declare over you destiny and purpose. And she prayed for her children and for her grandchildren and for her great-grandchildren. Before there was none. In all of this, bear in mind the backdrop is, are you known? I say emphatically, yes. If you thought you originated in the mind and in the heart of your parents, you've got it so wrong. You are a God idea. You're not an afterthought. You are a forethought. You are a pre-thought. He wrote about you in the palms of his hands. And I'm talking to all of you, but I'm talking to you. He put a noose around your neck and he pulled you in. been written about you. You're an agent of change and transformation. 
and all the negatives that exist on this plane. When heaven intersects it, it becomes a positive. And what Satan has meant for harm, he takes it and he weaves it into the tapestry of his will. And he makes your history his story. So you have in your midst, you think perhaps for him to preach or to be the keynote speaker, he must hold the microphone. I submit to you, he has been holding the microphone all this time. They are preaching all the time. Because they are sermons. That's not pulled from Google. The sermon written by the finger of the Almighty God. Okay, so I, I came from let me just change. I I I Coco and I work together, for those who know Coco, you know, we merge our ministries for the purpose of uh, really taking the gospel to nations. And I just flew in from Costa Rica yesterday. I went, we went for 12 days, we stayed 135. Because of the lockdown and restrictions and praise God, we've had, we are able to move. And we went there for a national movement called Costa Rica para Cristo. The goal is to win one million souls within seven months. Now, you may not think that is a daunting task, but in the past seven years, I have led just over one million souls to the Lord. Seven years. We want to do this in seven months. Our goal is to lead 100 million souls to Jesus when I see him face to face to give him the reward of the suffering of his soul. That's my goal. So we've gathered 4,000 local churches. That's all the church of Costa Rica. We went in and had conversations with all the apostolic gatekeepers of the nation to set the groundwork for a national movement that will mobilize the entire church of Costa Rica for one purpose. For the purpose of winning the harvest. With the restrictions and with this crazy reality around the world called Corona. By the way, Corona means in Spanish, crown. Means crown. But throughout this time and throughout right now and in your presence, 
We've come to make an announcement who is really wearing the crown. It is not the corona. It is not the global elite. Jesus is king of kings. And Jesus is Lord of lords. And his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And of his dominion, there will be no end. Corona or no corona, every knee must bow. And it's important for you and I to understand and to discern times and seasons. Because that determines the rhythm of God. In winter, the grass grows slower than in summer. You can ask Gary. Why? Because there's a, the, the season affects the rhythm of growth. Summer things accelerate. Winter, it looks like death. There is four seasons to your life. But then there are many seasons of God's dealing with you in terms of His will. I'm still on the subject, are you known? I want you to, to recognize that. I'm taking it from, from all perspectives. So, this time, you and I must be like the sons of Issachar. It was one tribe of the 12 tribes. And this is what the Bible says of them. They studied to know the times and the seasons of God's agenda with the earth. Specifically as it pertains to Israel as a nation. That was their duty. That was their job. When they wake up, throughout every waking hour, and when they go to bed, they have to study heaven's agenda and see if it matches what's happening on the earth. David, Daniel was of the tribe of Issachar. To give you an example, there was a time that the children of Israel were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years because they didn't keep the Sabbath for 70, 70 Sabbaths. So God had to take them out of the land so the land could rest. It was a mandatory Sabbath. But then the time of 70 years were over. And God said, only 70 years. Then I'll bring you back to the land. And Daniel studied the times and the seasons, looked at God's purpose and says, what is happening on the earth doesn't match the reality of heaven. I need to step into the place of intercession. And intercession is nothing more than entering into a session with God. And saying, God, what I'm seeing here doesn't line up with what you spoke. And he pulled the reality of heaven into this realm through prayer and fasting the moment he opened his mouth and Satan recognized that a power move and a power shift is taking place he didn't dispatch a demon spirit he dispatched a principality called the prince of Persia that opposed this move 
Because everything of God is in timing and in rhythm. Just like music. And I can be in step with his timing, in step with his rhythm, in step with his pace. He says he orders our footsteps in the way that we should go. Don't lean on your own understanding. That is why you have been given the oxygen of heaven, who is the Holy Spirit. He's the, the breath of God. He's not coming on the outside. He lives on the inside to order your footsteps, to know the whispers, the unction, the mind of Christ. And so what happens? Daniel prays to line up earth with heaven. So you're asking, are you known? Oh yeah. He has a reality that he has for you. Jeremiah 29 puts it this way, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have concerning you, says the Lord. Jeremiah, before you even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. You think you've forgotten. You think you are isolated. You think you are abandoned. You need to get a new revelation of the reality of what God thinks about you. He says he's so in love with you. Psalm 8, he says, what is man that you're mindful of him? He says, David says, of all your creation, you write love poems about this creature called man in the palm of your hand. Why are you so obsessed? You're always on his mind. You're the only thing on his mind. You are known, not forgotten. And so Daniel prays. And Satan opposes him vehemently. Why? Satan will let any agenda, I'm speaking to pastors too, any agenda go through. If it originates in your mind, in your heart, no threat. Maybe a good thing, even outreaches. Do you know what the Bible says? When Paul wanted to go to Asia, listen to this. The Holy Spirit prohibited him from preaching the gospel in Asia. If we had a committee, missionary committee would say, hey, there's an opportunity to go to Asia. They probably would have said, yes, let's go. The next day, Paul has a dream and he gets a Macedonian call. A guy from Macedonia says, come and help us. Dreams and visions is the language of the Holy Spirit. And what happens? The, Paul wanted to move into a good idea and the Holy Spirit aligns Paul with what heaven He's speaking. This is what Daniel was doing. Why? Because he's known. And God's plans for you are known. And God's purposes for you are known. And that is what Satan fears. You become a moving target. But not only a target. You are a weapon of warfare. 
When you align with what heaven is speaking, this is what heaven says, as Jesus is, so are you in this world. You become a Christian, a little Christ. The vehicle, the setup of God in the earth. And Satan is afraid. And Daniel prays. And a principality goes out to stop this thing. And the Bible says he fasts and he prays. And after 21 days, Gabriel makes his landing. Gabriel is the messenger from God specifically sent to Israel. Michael is the archangel, the angel of war over the nation of Israel. And he says, oh man of God, greatly favored. Listen to this. From day one, when you set your face to seek God, I was sent to come to you to give you the intel. But I was withstood by the prince of Persia. Because you prayed, because you fasted, because you persisted to get the mind of God into the earth. And by extension, the plan of God into operation. And because you persisted through prayer and fasting, God sent angelic reinforcements. And the battle in the heavens were won. Because you are willing to be on your knees before God. To discern the timing and the season and the purposes and the plan. You are living not out of your heart, out of your mind, out of inferiority complex, of comparison of this one to that one. None of your plans originate. Oh, this is a good idea. I see these guys are doing that. Perhaps we can do something similar. Cut it. Pull the plug. When you and I stand before God one day, Everything that we have done for him is going to be put through a furnace, fire. This is nothing to do with your salvation. This is to do with your works. That Jesus says, I'm coming back in Revelations. And my reward is with me to give to each one according to the works he has done. You're not saved through good works. You are saved for good works. Ephesians 2.10, you're God's masterpiece, God's master plan created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared to do, for you to do before the foundation of it. Are you known? Uh Uh-huh. And so when Daniel moves the pieces of the puzzle on the earth, how does he move it? Listen very carefully. When you stand before a mirror every morning, and I know most of us do, it looks like some of us, no, most of us do. Before a mirror, it's a prophetic reality that's staring you in the face that I hope you will grasp because if you get it, it will change your life. James says, those who look into the perfect law of liberty, It's like a man who beholds his face in a mirror. And as he beholds him, he's changed from glory to glory. Into the image of the one whom we're beholding. What is is the mirror teaching us? 
I'm still with all you know, and I'm still with Daniel. I'm just throwing this stuff in. Remember now, this is a stir fry, so hold nothing against me. I put everything into this dish that is leftovers, that's in the fridge, that's on the counters. You know, I'm pulling from the veg garden, so please, this is like, okay. Is everybody following me, or am I just going like... So when I stand in front of a mirror, I am the reality. What's looking back at me in the mirror is the image. That is what Christianity is about. The image is what is represented on the earth. Now listen very carefully. There will only be an image on the earth of God. Everything that is God. If God is the reality. Only when God looks into the mirror. Concerning his purpose. And his will. Is there a corresponding reflection on the earth. Jesus is the image of God. Hebrews 1, Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians. The very representation of God. Now, if I look into the mirror, and I did this morning, and I saw there was a hair out of place which I didn't like, So, I wanted to change this situation. How did I change it? Did I go into the mirror and change the image? Or did I change it at the reality? And when I change the root, I affect the fruit. Anything of God, any victory... Anything that is birthed in the natural realm is first conceived and birthed in the spirit. It's released by the seed of the word that impregnates. Nothing enters heaven, from heaven to earth without a spoken word. Nothing. And then the word becomes flesh, and you have the image, the reflection of the reality. Are you known? Yeah. But what are you going to do about it? How does that put upon you and I a divine imperative? It's the mirror image. It's the mirror thing. Everything that is image in your life that we, by the way, think is reality. It's not reality. The, listen, life on earth is governed by the spirit world. Good or bad, light or evil, light or, or, or darkness. Do you want to uh, change and affect the outside here? You change it in the spirit first. And then this is a formality. It has to come into line. They told me I will never leave Costa Rica. Impossible. The, bird, the borders are shut. They said the only way, that's why I asked you about the humanitarian flight. I just asked you, but I said, 
Everybody was saying, no ways. There's no way you're going to come to the U.S. The borders right now are still shut in Costa Rica. I don't go by the opinions of man. I don't go by, but I don't make my decisions this way. I really don't. When I heard that I have to be here, that's why I didn't even respond to your kind invitation. You know what I'm talking about. Because when heaven speaks, borders that are shut must open. Situations of impossibility must move. Because what happens now, it is God who is speaking concerning your life. I happen to sit next to a guy who knows the president of the nation. I was talking to him about the situation of closed borders and said, you know, he said, uh, he said let me see what I can do. And we continue to eat. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit fell in that meeting. It was as if somebody turned on an air condition like this sound. Like, they said, let me call him now. He was going to call him later. And he said, the protocol is I don't call him out directly. I send him a text. And when he's available, he'll respond. He sent the text, Senor Presidente. Necesito favor. And he got a text back. Sorry, not a text back. Apologize. The phone rang. And he said, excuse me. I have to take this. It's the president. And the president said, this is his words, Allah orden. You know what that means. I'm at your service. How can I help you? He said, I'm sitting next to a guy called Solomon. He needs to leave the country and needs to come back into this country irrespective if there's lockdown or not. The president said, not a problem. He said, I will call immigration right now after we hang up the score. Five minutes later, immigration called and said, I have been commissioned by the president of Costa Rica to call you, Senor Rigoberto. A concerning Solomon who must get passage. He said, it's not a problem. I'm under instruction. Oh, by the way, I said, I said this to this guy. I said, I'm speaking to you right now in the capacity when I mentioned the problem. I said, I'm speaking to you not as Solomon Kepke. I'm speaking to you as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. We need to transact here. The kingdom of heaven needs me to leave this country and come back. I'm under assignment. You need to facilitate this. I didn't ask him. I told him. This is ambassador to ambassador. The president instructed immigration 
let them out, let them in. He said, the only thing that must be done, we need to contact the health department. No problem. Five minutes, the health department calls. And so we're under instruction from the president. There may be some protocols, but you're clear to go. I'm standing here, am I not? I don't care about the crown of Corona. Jesus wears the crown as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's sinking because it's true of you. Each one of you here are sitting under divine assignment. You are the highest expression of humanity on the earth. I'm not even talking about the highest expression of God. Because then we've just stepped into another level. I'm not here to preach a sermon. Or to release platitudes or cliches to your Christianese. I'm here to articulate and to communicate truth. Spirit reality. That will liberate your spirit when you get to the word. You won't read it as a historical document. It will jump off the pages because Jesus is not the Bible. Jesus is not scripture. Scripture and the Bible is about him. John 5 says, 39, it is possible that you can have a relationship with the Bible and not have a relationship with the living word. If you have a relationship with your Bible only, you are not living. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I know how it feels to have one hour quiet time in the mornings, put on soaking music or integrity music back in the day in your, with your tape. And have your 30 minutes of reading or your daily devotion or whatever. I know that. And it's possible to never hear him. This is not a scolding, but it can be. This is, this is, this is an exhortation. To fully move you out of life in the first Adam. Into the last Adam who is a life giving spirit. Christianity is not religion. We quote that so glibly and say, oh it's a relationship. And that's true, but it's a spirit relationship. That's why he didn't give you the Holy Soul. He gave you the Holy Spirit. So that you can know that you are known. So that you can know you live in two realities at the same time. 
The gateway of your soul will determine. That's why Romans 12 says you've got to renew your mind. Which way am I going to live? Am I going to eat from the tree of life who is experience? Or am I going to feed from the tree of the what? Knowledge of good and evil who talks about experience. The garden, the tree just shows up again. It showed up when Jesus hung on the cross. It was just a dead tree. But it's that tree that gave life. And then it shows up again in Revelation because Jesus is the tree of life. You can know about him. That's knowledge of God. Or you can know him. So I'm speaking on the subject to talk about the omniscience of God. Omni is, is, is all. Science is to know. So when we say the omniscience of God, it means it's the God who knows everything about everything. That is my assignment this morning. To talk about the omniscience of God. And on Sunday, I'm going to cap it off with knowing God through a personal relationship. And that's not supposed to be like a, having a, a stick in my hand and slapping you. It's supposed to, to paint to you the possibilities in God. When the divine inhabits the humanity of man. And what you have walking around is divinity cloaked in humanity. And again, the men of this world and the women of this world will look into the face of Jesus when they look into your face. And they will know that they have been known. When you open your mouth and you speak a word, let us say, how did you know that? I think it was July 29, 21, 1920, I think. The world heard these words from a very unlikely and distant place. One small step for man. One giant leap for humanity. It was the voice of Neil Armstrong. When he and Buzz Aldrin was the first human to set foot on the moon. The account goes by Buzz's own words. He said, after they landed on the moon. And this launch was successful after three astronauts died after previous attempts. He was sitting there in awe and wonder. Trying to take in the moment. And then he says, he reached for his backpack. And he took out bread and wine. It's a true story. 
and then reached for his Bible and opened up in John 15, 5. And he read silently, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And he bowed his head in silence. And as he looked over the vast expanse of the horizon and the universe, he contemplated these words. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. He is now elevated to the highest place that a human being has ever been. Suspended between heaven and earth. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. And then he sang. Then sings my soul. Just stop the music, please. My Savior God to thee. Stop the music, please. How great thou art. Help us, Rachel. How great thou art.
You may be seated. I'm not going to be much long. Just continue to play. That's beautiful. And just remain. So, Bus Eldrin sings the song softly on the moon. And then when he finishes it, he takes the bread and the wine. And for the first time in the history of humanity, a man takes communion on a place and a planet other than earth. It's true. I'm going to go look it up. over the vast expanse of the universe and he doesn't think about the greatness of the human race and of man's accomplishments but he thinks of the greatness and the wonder of the one who created it all Abraham Lincoln said the following words I never behold the heavens that I do not feel I'm looking in the face of God. I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist. But I cannot conceive how one could look up into the heavens and say there is no God.
trillion. That's two followed by 12 zeros. Two trillion is the minimum estimated number of stars. Sorry, number of galaxies. I beg your pardon. Not stars, galaxies. Two trillion. Two followed by 12 zeros. Every galaxy, two trillion galaxies, every galaxy is estimated on average to have 100 million stars. If you do the math, you get to 200 quintillion. That's two followed by 20 zeros. Just the stars. Minimum number. Not talking about planets. And scientists reckon there are the same amount or similar amount of planets in the known universe. Note I'm saying known universe. Observable universe. Not the total universe. Do you know how much of the known universe is discovered? How much of the universe is discovered? What percentage? Just a guess. Where's my scholars at? Huh? Sorry? Just be bold and say it. Half a percent too? All right, you guys are all right. It's like in that ballpark figure. Four percent. Constitutes four percent. Constitutes the known universe. That means 96% of the universe we know absolutely nothing about. There is not technology good enough to probe that deep. Scientists have recently come up with DNA technology. And they say the totality of all human knowledge, all human knowledge, can be stored on a, a human or DNA hard drive this half the size of a teaspoon. Now take all of that as a backdrop to what David writes. God calls and forms first the stars and he calls them each by name. If he knows the stars like that. 
If he knows his creation like that. And David writes, your creation is nothing compared to the awe and the wonder on the obsession that you have with this being called man. Why? Because you have been created in the image of God. When God looks at you, he's looking in the mirror. Are you known? You better believe it. I'm out of time. I'm going to continue with this on Sunday. I want you to understand something. God always creates everything twice. I'm going to drop something which I've never ever shared before. I'm writing a book on it. It's the first book that I think I need to release, even though I've written many, but I've never published it. Because I think it will revolutionize your understanding. I'm going to duff close with this and then we're going to go into prayer. Let me start. Let me, let me read this. This is like bonus. This is like, this is not stir fry. This is now the dessert. Okay. So I'm going to serve dessert and I'm coming back and we can finish the stir fry. Is that okay? Perhaps somebody can help me out. Job 38. There are so many scriptures I want to go to. Just in your notes, put Psalm 8. Put Psalm 139, where David says, Before I was formed, you knew me. In fact, he says, Before there was one day. Of my life that I gave a breath when they physically abused me for the first time, hit me on the hands with that. He says, Not only did you know that day, but he says, All the number of days concerning my life was written in your book before there was one. are not an accident you are one out of almost 8 billion people that gives you 80 billion fingerprints if you take your fingerprint you match it to the database of fingerprints across the world I'm not talking about people who lived and died you will find this truth on such a small piece of space there's not one fingerprint that matches yours. You are not an accident. I hear some people say, say you know, parents say, we didn't plan him. We didn't plan her. We were like, done. The factory was closed. That's what you thought. 
Because God had you in mind before He laid the foundations of the earth. You are here by deliberate design. You may not know your purpose. It doesn't mean that there isn't one for you. He first created your purpose. Then He created you. You were created with God's purpose in mind. You are the only one on the earth that can express that. That's why it's a sin to try to be like somebody else. Because you were built, you were designed for the assignment. Your height. For some people it's not your height, it's there. your skin the fact that you are an American and not an Asian living somewhere in the Philippines the Bible says God sets the solitary in families and he determines the geographical boundaries for us to live nothing is by coincidence everything is by divine design that very family that you were birthed in Was all part of the setup. You weren't, you, you weren't, you, you didn't come about the moment your parents conceived you. You were in the heart and in the mind of God. He was pregnant with you before time began. Are you known? Absolutely. David says, this knowledge is too wonderful for me. I cannot comprehend it. You know my sitting down and my rising. Before there is a thought in my mind, you already know it. Before there is a word on my tongue. You're in, in fact, you are the breath that enables me to speak it. Are you known? Absolutely. Up to now, you may have been going from one place and another like a, like a blind man groping for direction. This is a word to position you, to align you, to assign you with purpose and destiny. We're living in a desperate hour where the world needs you. Christ in you, not in me, in you is the hope of their glory. When you walk into the store, walk into the gas station, walk into Walmart, walk into Kmart, walk into cases, the person behind that cash register, you are the hope of their glory, which is Christ in you. Are you known? For sure. That's why he positioned you where he did. It's that job that you perhaps hate. Well, you feel it's a hostile environment and I, I just want God to deliver me and set me free and bring me into ministry that everything is just like I can just say, Gumbaya, my Lord, Gumbaya, whatever. No, it is there that He positioned you as the light and the salt. That He can look through your eyes. Breathe through your mouth. And translate someone from darkness into light. The greatest miracle. Salvation. I've seen many, many physical miracles. People walking out of wheelchairs. 
blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening. Not what I've read. That the Lord performed through my hand. But the greatest miracle is the miracle of rebirth. Nothing compares to that. Landing the plane. Right tower, flight tower control is saying to me, we need to dump some fuel and come in for the landing. I wish you can go and read Job 38 to 42. Where Job and his friends are talking just, for lack of better words, just a lot of nonsense. For 37 chapters. And then God says, you want to take me to court? Brace yourself like a man that I may question you. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Can you give a command to the storehouses of hail and of snow and of the rain? And let them be released on the earth. Where were you when I measured the earth? with my fingers can you make the deer give birth and he went on and on and on and it closes with this chapter after Job and his friends speak out of ignorance not knowing that they are known by God and Job closes in 42 he says I will take my hand and I will put it on my mouth it was like this mouth stuff you know by the way this is the decade of, of the mouth prophetically speaking do you think it's not interesting that they are telling to put, for us to put masks on we cannot be shut up we will not be silent the disciple says you judge whether it's okay for you but we cannot but help to speak of what we've seen and heard the church will not be silenced And Job takes his hand and he puts it on his mouth and he says, Woe to me. I've dared to take God to court to question you. The creature to the creator. The clay to the potter. And he fell into silence and he said, I've got nothing to say. Case over. He says, listen to what he says. He says, I have once heard about you. But now my eyes have seen you. Wow. It makes me think of Isaiah chapter 6. Where Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. What is he saying? Uzziah was a king who was ruled by arrogance and pride and he died in that state in seclusion pride and arrogance marked his life 
He stepped out of God's plan and purpose and order, going to sacrifice on an altar as a priest. What a priest supposed to do? Kings were not supposed to do that. He did not stay within the boundaries of his assignment. He crossed over to do something that God never authorized. Out of pride and arrogance, what is humility? Humility is 100% dependency on God. Pride is 100% dependency on me and I and my. And so Isaiah opens the book like this. In the year that Uzziah died, in the year that pride died, I saw the Lord. Is it possible that there's just too much of me that I cannot see God? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Empty of self for they will see God. So in closing, please take my laptop so that we can land. I want to drop this. I need to read it. So I'm going to ask somebody to come up here very quickly. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. Someone with a loud voice and then we stop. Just quickly run up. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. Thank you, brother. Amen. I'm reading in the ESV and the word of God says, and so and I may think, let me let me change that. I just told him to change this ESV. Don't use um, translations, NLT, the messenger, to go and study or to read the word. That's complimentary. That should not be your primary Bible. The Bible wasn't written in English, wasn't written in Spanish. It was written in Hebrew and in Greek, Aramaic and Greek. There's a specific reason. I'm going to demonstrate that to you on Sunday. Why God uses those languages. lot of the things it's grammatical interpretation this is not an issue of language it's an issue of spirit for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives Continue. so that you may have a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins Continue. Amen. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. Just read that again. Okay. I want you to listen, please. Perhaps just for, for a moment, Josh, just for a moment, just no music. Close your eyes, please, and listen. I'm going to ask you that you approach the Word of God just in your quiet time as you read. With an attitude that flows from the spirit and not with natural eyes. 
Because there are truth that is contained in the diction, in the words. And it's supposed to not just, the word of God is not just supposed to convey ideas and concepts. Truth are contained in the words. Jesus is the word. So he uses words to express truth and reality. And many times we read over that and we do not get the nutritional value of the meal. Let's read that again, please. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Thank you. What did he say? Some things were created in him. You're talking Satan, demons too. Thrones, principalities, powers. Were created in him. I'm going to drop something on you. Then I'm going to sit down. Let's take that again. If you go to the Greek, it is in. It's not some translations. That's why I said NIV. New King James says some, uh, that all things were created by him. It's wrong. It's in him. Big difference. At, with, in. Difference. Some things. No. All things. Listen. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. What is God saying? Genesis is the book of beginnings. We get our word genetics from genes from. It's a word in Hebrew called Bereshit. I'm going to talk about that on Sunday. When God dropped us in my spirit, I went to go and study far and wide to see what did the scholars say. Jewish scholars back in the centuries before Christ. They baffled with this. Scientists are baffled with this. To this day, this is a question where the Big Bang Theory originated from. And they say, in the beginning, God created. So in other words, in the beginning of what? In the beginning of time. And that's how everybody reads it. So when time began, God created the heavens and the earth. But I submit to you that time didn't create, didn't start then. Time started, and by the way, God lives in eternity. We live in time. Time has been created for the human race, for the benefit of the human race. And it only started when he set the sun and the moon in the heavens. That is when times and seasons are measured. Go to any scientist. But go to the word. That is what he said. When was the sun and the moon created? On day four. So for the first four days there were no sun. No moon. No stars. But let's stick with sun. 
For the first four days of creation, where did the light come, come from? It came out of the mouth of God. For the first four days, it was the light that left the mouth of God that illuminated the skies. And on the fourth day, God said a prophecy in the heavens, the sun. Not on the third day, not on the fifth day, on the fourth day. Why? Because a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And from the fall of Adam to the time that Jesus steps into the earth is exactly four days, four thousand years later. He steps into the earth and he says, I am the fulfillment of the prophecy that God hung in the heavens on day four. I am the light of the world, the great light. The people who sat in darkness, Isaiah says, has seen not a light, a great light. And for those who live in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then he created out of the, the, after the sun, the moon. And he gave it 29.5 cycles, daily cycles. That's how the moon goes through its lunar cycle. Every 29.5 days, which corresponds to the body of a woman. Why? Because the moon is a prophetic picture of the woman. In the Old Testament, the church, I mean the, the, the Israel, and the New Testament represents the church. What is the purpose of the moon? To give light in the night. But the moon has no light of its own. It gets its light from the sun. No sun, no moon. Get that. So time began then. So did God create two times? I submit to you the following. I've not preached on this before. I have not seen this anywhere. It is how Jesus and I roll. Is it possible that in the beginning is not referring to time but to a person? Is it possible that in the beginning is Jesus? I submit to you, yes. Everything was created in the beginning, which is not time, was created in Him. In the beginning, He's a person. Can I validate that further? John the Revelator, the disciple that put his head on the heart of Jesus, clarifies that further in John 1 1 he says I want to shed light to you I want to just identify and clarify who is the beginning just in case you didn't know this is what he says in the beginning for you don't know in the beginning was the word the word was in the beginning all the time in the beginning not being a person not, not time but a person He's identifying who is the beginning. And the book of Revelation. Jesus steps out in full force. And he seals this truth and this revelation. He says, I am. The beginning. But not only that. I am the end. Just in case you didn't get it. He goes on. I am the first. 
and I am the last. And just in case you didn't get it, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. In the beginning is not time. In the beginning is a person. It is me. All things were created in me. In the beginning, inside of me, God created the heavens and the earth. What did Satan do? He separated us from the beginning. And God said, Jesus said, because he foreknew that, and we're going to talk about that on Sunday. I'm not just the beginning. Because I always finish what I begin. And before there's a problem, there is a solution. Because I'm not only omniscient, I'm omnipresent and I'm omnipotent. Listen to this. He said, Luke 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come it's not time it's me i am the beginning and i am the end As we close for two minutes. My purpose here this morning. I'm under instruction to speak on the omniscience of God. The vast array of what he knows. His knowledge encompasses all. His knowledge is complete. His knowledge is perfect. His knowledge is infinite. He knows you inside out. What is the fall? Another way of looking at it is Satan having succeeded to pull us out of the beginning. So that we didn't have a beginning to begin with. So what does Colossians says? What, how does Paul says? He says, the purpose of Jesus, when he died on the cross, was to in his body condemn sin. And to meet the requirements of the law in his body. Listen to this. Listen to this. He says, and to unite heaven and earth. Why must he unite it? Because earth was pulled out of the beginning. So that our end would be death. But for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him would not perish. But the end be. To give you eternal life. Does he not say in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. The plans I have for you. Plans to prosper. To give you hope and a future. To give you a desired end. My prayer and assignment for this morning is 
the mirror image. If you have been living life on the horizontal plane as a Christian, you are living life incorrectly. That's why God took Matthew 8 in Matthew 8 and Jesus took the disciples where? To a mountain. An elevated place suspended between heaven and earth. The bottom line of that encounter is when the law shows up in Moses and the prophet shows up in Elijah, both of them comes into agreement with a voice that comes from heaven. A matter is established by two or three witnesses. And they say this is God's last word. Jesus is God's last word. You don't have a formula. Christianity is not a formula. There is a formula. The formula is there is no formula. You live by the voice. So it takes them to a high place to say, I need to get you out of this earth realm, back into your identity. Where did the Holy Spirit fall upon the first believers? It was in the upper room. Because it's the Holy Spirit that can take you there. Where did John the Revelator have his encounter? He heard a voice that said to him, come up higher. That I can give you eagle's perspective. So I'm going to pray one prayer. And if you get this. Your life will be revolutionized. Even if you made mistakes. And have been living life out of your own design. Out of your own mind. Out of your own plan. Out of your parents desires. It doesn't matter. God knew about that before it even happened. And he's got your best in mind right now. He can redirect you into his purpose because he knows you. So I'm praying this morning. I'm going to ask all the, um, the, the speakers to come up front. Are we going to pray corporately? Don't stand, please. I'm asking you to stand for this. It is not physically to stand. It's to take a stand. That from today, I'm going to live from heaven to earth. I'm going to live for God's will and from God's will. I'm going to live according to the plan and the design that God has. I've already wasted too much time focusing on my plans and my desires and my dreams. What about God's dream? He dreamt about you before time began. Let's get into that and align earth with heaven. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to our GGG event recording. To get involved with our growing community or to connect with us, reach out to us on our website, gggministry.com, or any of our other social media platforms. It's really been an honor serving you all, and I pray blessings and favor over each of you and your families. Thank you.